you want really good coffee to take on your next adventure, use CS Instant Coffee. You can find out more about them at csinstant.coffee. And right, and it's light there. There's a, an area light. So I'm laying down, have my bear spray out. And we had been told that that's kind of like Grizzly Alley because it's close to Yellowstone. And, mm. and so I, I'm laying down there and asleep and I feel something like walking across my my legs. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. I love talking about the Tour Divide. In fact, we haven't talked about it in a while, but we we will be talking about it in today's episode. And if you don't know what that is, it's just this awesome underground race. It's getting more popular. It's been around a little while now, but it's from Banff, Banff, which is B-A-N-F-F, Alberta, Canada. And look that up if you don't know what it is. It's got to be one of the prettiest mountain towns in the world. So it starts there, and it goes along the Great Divide mountain bike route, but it's as close to the Continental Divide Trail as you can be, but for bicycles. So it's pretty much like the Continental Divide Trail, but for bikes. The race is from the beginning, which is in Banff, all the way to the Mexican border, 2,750 miles. And the winners doing this whole trail in 13 to 14 days uh, I took uh, quite a bit longer, but uh, I, it was still very difficult for, for the pace I did it. it. It's not, you know, the craziest thing out there. It's pretty crazy, but it's one of those adventures that's to me just really stands out. One, because, you know, I've, I've done it. Two, be, it just always did even before I had done it. Just something that I always wanted to do. And uh, Marty here didn't do his first one until he was 60 years old. How impressive is that? To, to be 60 and say you know what, I'm going to do what's considered the hardest mountain bike race in the world. 2020 will be his sixth year in a row, and he's completed it half those times. So he's completed it three out of five times and going for four out of six times. In the offseason, as we'll hear, Marty works at a garden center, and uh, just two totally different worlds to me. But I love it. I love folks that are seemingly normal and common and, you know, maybe not terribly exciting. And then they have this thing about them that, you know, is just so different and so exciting and so unique. So I hope you enjoy Marty's story. He's a great guy. And you can follow him at his website, which is bucketride.bike. And on Instagram at gotchile, like G-O-T-C-H-I-L-E, to where, where he'll be posting. And he writes a lot about the Tour Divide. So if you need some, you know, want to do some research and read some stories, I really highly recommend checking out bucketride.bike. All right, enough of me talking. Let's get in the episode. Hey, folks, welcome to the show. Uh, today we've got a great guest. We were talking about the Tour Divide, you know, one of my favorite topics. We don't get to talk about it, or we haven't talked about it in a while, but uh, yeah, on today to to bring up an old topic, but in a fresh light is Marty Johnson. Marty, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, glad to be a part of it. I've listened to a few of the episodes and uh, always enjoy 
talking about the divide. Oh man. So, so, you know, we were just talking, but you know, when you're not out there doing the divide, you are running a, a gardening center and, and where is that based out of where, where's home for you? Uh, Wichita, Kansas. We've got, uh, two retail stores and then one of our locations is a distribution center where we sell basically landscaping supplies to landscape companies, lawn service companies. My son's president of the, the company now, which, uh, is good for me to go off and do some things I want to do. Do people, I mean, do you talk about it a lot at, at, at work and are people just blown away? Uh, yeah, they're, they're interested in it. They're, it's, I guess, different in a lot of ways, but, and we'll talk about it later, you know, the divide is similar to the many things in our lives that we all, all deal with, but, you know, we've got our busy season in the spring and, and then we hit, we hit it hard and, and other times of the year, it's slower, like you know, in the winter time and in the summer. So it does enable me to get away. But uh, it, you know, it takes all of our attention some of the time of the year. And other time of the years, it's you know, it's it's not as much. So, so when you when you're attempting the divide, it seems like you go right out of right into busy season with with work, and then you jump right on the divide. It's got to be wild. Yeah, it, it is, and and it's you know our. Our busy time, like I say, is the spring. And of course, the divide starts that second Friday in June every year. I'd love to be spending the whole spring out training and being ready to go. And and uh, but it it's it's hard to get away because of work to go and and train. Um, again, my I say I've turned over a lot of those responsibilities to to family and 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 employees. So I am able to go do some events. But yeah, it is it's hard to get out and get trained and then. I say it's April and May is like my dad always said, it's, it's the Super Bowl for us. And then a complete different focus with, uh, with the tour divide. No kidding. Lot, lots of plants out there though, still lots of flowers coming oh, out. And, so and, sure. and that's, you know, that's the thing I, I like about it. You know, we all look at the geography is so, it's so varied. I mean, you've seen it and, but it's just, it's just so, you know, the mountains and everything, but, but the plants is something that I, you were all stopping taking pictures and I met out there in the middle of the, the great basin down on my hands and knees, taking a picture of this, this little flower. And yeah, the, the plants really are, are part of the attraction for me. And, and not only the flowers, but the, you know, the conifers, the, you know, the evergreens, it's just, you know, so varied uh, the whole way, but it's just part of the, of the attraction for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's, I mean, there's so much on, on an experience like that. And I, I mentioned, I'm going to mention, you know, what the tour divide is for all the new listeners, or if you need a refresher for everyone, um, that's new to the show, but you, you know, it's such a wild idea, man. And you're planning to do it again this year in 2020 for your sixth time at the age of 65. When, 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 what, what year was the first year you did it? And how did that idea come about? 2015 was, was the first year that I attempted it. You know, I've just gone back every year and, and started again. And I finished it that first year. And when you finish it, just like a lot of adventures, you know, it's, you get to the end, it's, it's bittersweet because it's, you know, you've been, you spent weeks or a month of your life doing this hike or bike or whatever it is, and you're ready for it to be over. But then on the other hand, it's like, it's going to be over, you know? Yeah. So, um, over. yeah. And, you know, some people say, well, you're going to do it again. And that first year I said, you know, if a good friend wants to go do it with me, they're going to have to twist my arm pretty hard to, for me to go back and do this again. But if, you know, if my son or daughter wanted to do it, I, you know, I, I sign up in a heartbeat. 
a lot of these events, it just pulls at you. You know, you, you get somewhat recovered from it and then you get, you know, four or six months out from it. Then, I mean, all you do is you think about it every day. Absolutely. You get to where you just, you can't wait to, to get back. So you, your first year was 2015, meaning this will be your sixth time, but you were 60 when you started it, when you first attempted it and finished it, correct? Right. Yeah. I was 60 years old and, you know, I was active, you know, working outside all the time. I, you know, I've stayed in pretty good shape, but I wasn't in sports a lot growing up. We were myself, my two brothers, we lived next to the garden center. We were, we were working at the garden center. And, wow. uh, so, you know, I never, I didn't play football, baseball, I didn't hunt and fish, but, you know, I liked just being outside. And so I, you know, like a lot of us, you know, we, the great divide mountain bike race, I think was early on. And yeah. I think maybe on MTV cast, Joe was, you know, had the calls, call-ins. And I think that's maybe where I first heard about it. And then there was an article in outside magazine. And of course, then the documentary came out and, and you just like, you know, maybe I can do that sometime. And a friend of mine who does ultras, you know, runs and triathlons. And we kind of talked about it. It's like, well, you know, maybe let's, let's do a state of the year. And so funny, I decided, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. It was in 14. It's like, I'm going to do it next year. And I just approached it. It's like, you know, I'll go as far as I can. You know, I, I, uh, did some longer ride, did race across Texas in, in 14. That was 850 miles in eight days, I think. And, all self-contained and it's like, well, okay, you know, maybe I can do it. I didn't, you know, no pressure on myself. It's just like, well, you know, if I don't make it, I don't make it. It's like, you know, I, I know it wasn't going to be very fast, but you know, people say, well, you know, how long is it going to take you? It's like, I don't know. I figured, you know, hundred miles a day, 2,800 miles, maybe a month. And so mm-hmm. then that's, you know, it's about where I've been. So no, I made it that first year and, and finished on day 28 or 29 and then went back in 16 and, I had a meeting to go to in Denver and put a little more pressure on myself. It's like if I could do it in 26 or seven days, I could make my meeting. And I got down, you, know, you get to New Mexico and had some mud and some, had some slower days. And so I, I bailed it at Cuba and made my meeting. And, and, and after that, you know, I felt, I mean, I regretted, you know, pulling out that year. It's like, you know, we can spend our lives going to meetings, but <laughs> yeah, you know, you know it's, it's this, you know, I missed an opportunity to finish again. So then I went back in, in 17 and there was a, a Bobby Smith from Winfield, Kansas, a friend of mine. He, he, um, decided to do it and he and I rode together quite a bit on, on it and finished in 17. And then, then in 18, I thought, well, you know, on the divide, it's like, you know, you, you leave Banff and it's, it's wet and cold every year I'd leave. It, it was always raining mm-hmm. at, at the start. And so it's like, um, I'm going to start down in New Mexico. I'm from Kansas. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I, I ride in the heat. And so I, I caught the train, went to Albuquerque and a friend took me to Antelope Wells and took off. And, and I lasted four days in 18. I, it, it got hot. And I just, by that time my head wasn't in it. And like I said, my friend Bill is in Albuquerque and I had an out and I, and I took it. And then of course, that one I regretted too. So then went back last year in, in 19 and, and finished it again. Then just like from now, just probably probably do it every year as long as I can. You know, I'm fortunate to be able to. And so I'll just, you know, enjoy it and just keep going back and doing it. <laughs> you just say, yeah, you act like it's no big deal, man. I mean, this is like the hardest thing I've ever done. 
<laughs> and I was well, I was I was pretty young when I did it, but uh I mean it was just such an such an adventure and in, in, in such a it was such a mental game the whole time, like I don't know if I can do this. I don't you know what I mean, being young and not probably as disciplined in life at that point and uh gosh, it was just such a whirlwind every day it felt like just a, a total yeah. adventure of no not knowing what was gonna happen. But I like to just to come back and do it over and over and over again, man. That's that's I, I am not there in life, let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I you know there's a couple things. I my gut feeling is there's a higher percentage of riders that finish that are forty and over than forty and under. I definitely agree. I think it's just what you say. You know, when you're 40 and over, you know, you're for the most part, your families are raised. You, you've gone through more life challenges. You're you're glad to be out there. Yeah, we're racing it. Our our goal is is to just finish it within the rules. And they, you know, they say it's the hardest mountain bike race in the world. Or I'm not going to say it's not hard because it is, but it's just long. You're just riding every day, not recovered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, know, you can do a, a half marathon or or whatever, and then you can go and recover and do another one a few days later. But you know, on the divide, it's like you're just even from the start, you're competing, not recovered and not well fed, and from not well hydrated and sleeping cold and yeah. all that. Not not doing too good uh, all, yeah. all around. It sounds like. <laughs> and you know, th- this year I was talking to uh, in Brush Mountain Lodge to to josh and sophie and they had both pulled out and ended up back at, at brush mountain lodge and they were spending some time and it it was it was so fun spending time with those guys it was it was like old home week almost and you know those those guys you i'd, I'd met them and we had talked but you know you feel like you're almost this tribe but because you know we were a, a family now but we were talking up there in brush mountain it's like you know we we really ought to just tour this thing not race it just you oh, know yeah. get someplace make make dinner have a campfire because it was so much fun there at brush mountain sitting around the campfire eating pizza and drinking a beer it's like you know you know get up in the morning make coffee and if you want to go off off course you go off course on then on the other hand you know i'm still trying to do it in 25 days so you keep you know chasing that carrot out there yeah absolutely I, i've heard a lot of people say if you could do it again what would you do and a lot of them say so I'd take a lot more stuff, I would go a lot slower and I'd bring a fishing pole because there is just so there's so much you could stop and explore every day because it's it really is you you're you're really out there in the wilderness a lot of it and it's just pristine. It's a lot of it's just very pristine. But you know, I wanted to ask, you know, being being born and raised in in Kansas and being third generation um running it's the same gardening center for the you're third generation, correct? Yes, I'm third generation. Right. Yeah. What, what you know? Were were was your parents were they adventurous like this? Because I know a lot of people that I'm from a small town in Florida, and there's a lot of you know second, third, fourth generations companies, and I just feel like you know it, it very rare do you find somebody that just decides to do something so out of the box like this. Um, did, do, do you come from a, a, a family like this or are you kind of like a black sheep in your community of like, Oh yeah, Marty goes out every summer and does that crazy ride thing, but you well, know, yeah, comes back. <laughs> yeah. Th- well, there's certainly that I tell people, well, I wasn't one of the A students, you know, I, I, have, okay. I, have, I haven't learned, but you know, my, my grandfather, he, he came up to, uh, to Kansas in a covered wagon from Oklahoma 
and, and my dad, he was he was older. He was born in 16. So I mean, he was older when we were growing up and uh, was in in World War Two. And he said, you know, I spent you know two or three years in a pup tent in Germany. And so camping wasn't his idea of fun. Right. Um, you know, we we were in scouts and I, you know, I really liked, you know, the scouting and the camp outs, you know, going to Philmont and, and all that. So I, I really like that. And my family wasn't campers growing up, but um, my son was in scouts. It, it was an activity that we did. So no, it wasn't something that, I mean, I wasn't out all the time growing up with, with my family doing adventures. What, what do you think it is about the tour divide that, that draws you um, back every year? Uh, like we talked about the, the scenery, the, the, the places that, you, that you see and, and just, and, and it's so buried and people ask, you know, what's the, your favorite parts? Like, I, I don't know. It's Canadian Rockies are just, you know, those majestic jagged mountaintops, you know, down to the deserts of the Southwest. They're also diverse and just, I guess, just experiencing that again. And then, and then, you know, the, the people that, that you made a mention, you can hang out in BAMP and, you know, rub shoulders with, you know, people that have won this thing. You know, they're in our eyes, they're the elite athletes of this world, you know, not the people we're watching on TV. So being able to, you know, rub shoulders with them and just, and it, it may just be for, you know, an hour or two, but just making those connections and then the people on the way that approach you. And, you know, a lot of them, they know what you're doing. There's in 15, I was in Breckenridge and, walking down getting ready to eat lunch in this cafe and like i say you you look like you're from mars you know you've got yeah. this head on and your bike and walking down the you know this tourist town and this guy walks up and you know i'm like so i'm i'm not fast and but this guy walks up and goes hey are you marty and i, I kind of look over at him it's like yeah well, i've been following the divide i knew you were in town and just wow. wanted to come out here and see and you know just people that you know, that you'll be riding along and there'll be people that'll ride by and just, you know, give you a thumbs up so they know what you're doing. So, you know, it's just kind of the whole deal. It's just, you know, yeah, it's tough. You'll be riding along and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, what am I doing out here? I've done this thing how many times and, you know, you hurt and you're sore and it's like, you know, I could be home in my swimming pool and, and hanging out, but then you turn around a corner and, and there's just, you know, in the basin or wherever and this you think, oh, this is the most beautiful place I've ever been to. I can't wait to get back here next year. Hmm. Is is there an experience you've had out there that you could point to that kind of illustrates that? Maybe maybe a very memorable experience that that maybe you think about a lot. Can, can I make it any more vague than that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. You know, I'm trying to thought what you're going to ask. I'm trying. To, you know, there's a lot of stories, a lot of yeah, fun stories. Well, this year there's a uh, there's a little cabin it's between lincoln and but helena and it's just out in the middle of this field and and it's like a little hostel in this i know exactly what you're talking about yeah and 17 we stayed there that night but never talked to anybody and but this year i i just try to keep going more this year when in the past you get someplace and if you're riding with somebody you it it would be like, Hey, let's get a, let's get a room tonight. And that first year, I think I spent about half the nights in a, in a motel room. But, but this year it was like, I'm just, you know, I'm going to just, and since then it's like, I'm going to keep going. And I think this guy's name is John. And so I went up, I stopped there and he, he comes out, Hey, you know, how, you know, wants to find out my story. And, and I said, yeah, my, my wife, she's, she made some chicken salad sandwiches here. And, 
we've got refrigerator here. We've got pop, beer, whatever you want. And it's like, oh, you know, you're hungry. And so you stop there and, and eat. And it's like, well, you know, what do I owe you? Because, oh, you don't owe us anything. Just, we want just pay it forward sometime. I guess experiences like that, that there's, there's good people out there. And from this year, and of course, the, you know, cursing there at Brush Mountain Lodge, it's, you yeah. know, it's defined, defining, <laughs> and, you know, you leave Wyoming and then instantly you're in, you know, Colorado, you know, mountains and everything. And that 12 miles up that road to her place is, you know, it's, it's a push, especially in the afternoon. And I've gotten there at five in the afternoon. I've gotten there at 10 o'clock at night. And then she's there, runs out. Hey, Marty, you know, gives you a hug. And what, what, what do you want? Do you want, you know, you want some pizza or, you know, whatever. So it's just, um, that's unreal, man. I, you know, I know everyone you're talking about just, just because, you know, it's probably like anyone that does a through hike or something. There's these people that are, are kind of fixtures along the route and they obviously get a lot of joy out of it too, seeing these folks come through every year. And I know one thing when I, when I get to the point, I don't want to do this stuff anymore. I would love to be one of those people that can host and can support and can, can, Honestly, they're doing so much for you. They're like restoring your faith in humanity, just knowing that some this person out here in the woods, I'm going to be able to rely on, you know, in, yeah. in a couple of months. I just know they're going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's very well, cool. That, you know, another story too is that in 15, going into Hartsville, Colorado, mm-hmm. you leave, you leave Brackenridge, go over Boreas Pass, hit Como, and go around and. And it was, I was trying to beat a thunderstorm and it, it's, it's open out there. It was thundering and you see some lightning and you'd look ahead and try to find a place. Okay. If this starts coming down here, who am I going to hide out? And, and finally you hit the highway and it's like, okay, I can make it into Hartsville now. So I, I pull into Hartsville and, and it's like eight 30 at night. Well, the kitchen closes at eight. And oh, so, and, but there was, there was this guy in there playing pool and, I think his name was Chuck and, and Chuck had been at this bar a good part of the day. And, and that's a nice <laughs> way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I'd been playing pool and, and partaking there. And I said, man, do you guys have any foods? And no, the kitchen closed. And well, here I've got this, I've got a cheeseburger and fries. Just, just take it. I'm just, you can have it. It's like, no, I, I'm not, I don't want to take it. No, go ahead and here. Just, you can have it. I don't need it. So wow. yeah, I'll take it. So, you know, I, I eat it up. And then the next year I, I was through there and I mentioned that to him. I said, you know, what, what was the deal you know, with that guy? And he goes, well, that's just how people are around here. And, and I've always wished he would be there when I go back through there again. And, but you know, never is, but it's just, you know, it's in the middle of nowhere and just this little, little bar there and on the highway. Time for a quick message break. CS Instant Coffee is definitely the best instant coffee I've ever had. In fact, just out of convenience and how good it tastes, I decided for the last year I've been taking it on every single adventure I go on from backpacking to bike tours. Uh, Just from convenience sake, it's really high quality and it keeps me from having to take a bunch of other equipment out in the woods. Uh, But it's not just for going out on adventures. My wife actually takes some to work Every single day with her, she takes a couple packs uh, to refill her coffee mug uh, as a teacher. She doesn't have a ton of time to um, have to you know, make fresh 
coffee all the time. So she just needs a little hot water, can pour the coffee in, and she's ready to go for her next class and not waste a lot of time. So if you're crunched for time in your job, uh, I would definitely suggest giving it a shot because they have been huge supporters of the show for the last year, and I really appreciate everything they've done for us, and it would mean a lot to me to go support them. So if you're interested, go to csinstant.coffee and uh, support those who are supporting the show. It would go a long way. Thank you. All right, let's get back to the episode. It's an amazing experience. You know, is there, is is there, you know, having done it or, or having been out there five times and completed it three times, is, is there any place now that's kind of special to you that you look forward to, maybe a region or, or a mountain range or a part of the trail that, that, that you really enjoy? Yeah, there one, and it's, it's been, um, I look forward to this place and that it's after you, uh, let me see, it's, it's going into Sealy Lake and you, that pass there. And then you do that. There's like a, like a 180 you do, but you get there and you're looking at the mission mountain range to the West. And it's, I've always gotten there. Oh, late in the afternoon. It's just, I don't know. It's just almost a spiritual event, just sitting there and, and looking out there and it's just, you know, the range is probably, I don't know, 30 miles away, but just seeing that whole mountain range from the, from that distance in the evening and, and then the clouds is just, is just special. Um, it, it was kind of weird this year too, in, in the basin, you, you're, you're crossing the basin and, and there's that, that one spot that was in the middle of nowhere, there's this old hood of a car. And it's like, <laughs> how did, and I, I, you know, I'm guessing they're up there sledding with it or something, but there's this hood of this car, the top of it's probably, it wasn't like a 1950 Chevrolet, just a rounded hood, yeah. all dented in, it's orange. And you think, how, you wonder what the story is with that thing. And, and, and this year I'm up there and, you know, you, you know, about where it's at, but in there, and it's like, you know, I couldn't find it. It's like, man, did someone take this thing? And I was almost starting to get disappointed and sure enough, there it was, you know, <laughs> it just hadn't gone far enough, but you know, it's just crazy stuff like that, that you, you kind of, you know, look for and you've seen every year and, and look, look forward to seeing, cause you know, they're, they're kind of milestones and along the way that, that you look for. And, and Marshall Pass is another place that I, it's one of my favorite spots. And I don't know, I don't know what it is about it, but it's just, you know, leave Salida and was it Punch of Springs? And you go up that, well, it seems like it's 20 miles. It's probably six or seven miles up that grade. You know, it's paved, but it's just like, man, I can't wait to get off this road. It just takes forever. And then you hit the gravel on it. You know, it, it's up, it's a rail trail, but it's, um, you know, a lot of that's kind of Aspen line. And I just picture myself back a hundred years ago on this old narrow gauge railway going up this path is just, I know it's just another area that I look forward to every year. Hmm, I know, I know what you're talking about now. Is there, yeah. is there any place that you find particularly challenging or, or don't really love? Yeah. I was trying to think where the, you know, the hardest part is, and there's always a payoff for this long climb and, and there, and there is, and you know, probably Southern New Mexico and the Gila is probably as tough as any place. You know, it's, it's what a hundred and some miles. There's, there's really no water that you can, collect or filter there's no streams out there really to speak of and there's no food and it's hot and it's um, probably new mexico that southern part's probably the 
the toughest part. And in that in that first year I did it, we hit, you know, there's an alternate route that the true divide people take and it's on that continental divide trail. They they run us over there. And well that first year it was, you know, I'm tired and it was raining and it's hard it's kind of hard to find the trail in that in that campsite there. And I'm starting to go up it and it's like, oh my you know, my shoes are wet and I'm going up granites and it's like, oh I think I'm going to go back and take the road. So I go, I go back and, and a, a friend of mine, Philip Burr is back there. So we, we start going around and, um, I go ways. It's, you know, it's probably a couple hours up to the top and this driver comes up and he says, you're, you're not on the route. It's like, I know goes, well, your buddy turned around and so I stop and it's like, you know, I spent a month of my life out here doing this right. I need to go back and do the right thing. So yeah. I need to go back and do that that trail and I'm, I'm you know i'm so glad i did because so finally i go back and i you know i wasted probably four or five hours with that decision but i get back up there on that trail and once you get to the top it's like again at that point it rained it was really clear and there's yucca up there blooming and it's like man this is i would have missed this spot had i done the wrong thing i'm so glad that i you know came back and did the right thing and, and, and that's another tough spot I mean, you know how it is. It's you know, it's hike a bike, and your bike weighs sixty pounds, and it's it's just a lot of walking up there, narrow, and and I and I'm not a good mountain biker anyway, so I'm not real comfortable doing that. But you know, then you get to you almost look forward to it now. <laughs> so, so what compelled you at the age of sixty to get out there and and do this? Did do you have a history of doing adventures like this, or was this kind of out of the norm for you? You know, I. I, I don't think I hadn't been doing a lot of these. I said, I had, you know, the previous conversation with Mike, my friend, the ultra athlete, and he, we had just talked about it. And it's like, you know, I'd ridden gravel roads. I had done a few races around here, road races. And I never was very fast. And, you know, I'd be on the podium when there were three people in my, in the, in the class, but, you know, we do, we've done um, a lot of gravel out here, dirty Kansas and, in the states and it's like yeah i'm gonna it's a little bit i guess i tried to do things maybe a little different maybe things that other people don't try and i was at a point in my life where i i, I could get away and do it and had talked to some people that yeah you know yeah, there's people doing it that are in the 60s so it's like well i'll give it a shot and ended up finishing End up finishing, yeah. Wow, that's pretty. I mean, it's just impressive. I mean, how, were, were you were you confident going into it? You, you you said you didn't put yourself, you know, in a in a bunch of a bunch of pressure on yourself, basically. But were you? How were you feeling going in? Yeah, I felt after the Texas ride, I the year before that race across Texas, yep. you know, it was hundred miles a day. So I yeah, I figured I could optimistic that I could do it um, physically. But I guess because I didn't put pressure on myself mentally, it, I was able to not let that get to me, but you know, it's, it's definitely a big part of it, that, that mental part of it. How, how many times do you foresee yourself doing it? Do you just enjoy doing it over and over again? I, I do. You know, it's you know, a friend of mine that will Bill that, that picks me up. And after that, after 18, he said, you know, I guess you've got unfinished business and it's, you know, if you think you can do it, you better do it because there will be a time when you can't. Do you feel compelled at all to, to do other things or do you just enjoy this, this route, this culture, this, uh, this group of people? Yeah, I think it's, it's the culture that I really enjoy and, and, and the people too. But 
you know, I'm probably missing out on some things, some other ones. Yeah, but I, I've done Billy Rice's Grand Gravel. That'll be and upon doing it again. So that's 500, and, 500 miles in March. So, I, you know, I do some intermediate events to get some other experiences. And But I guess it, you know, it's there's a certain comfort level having already done it that yeah. makes it easy to go back and do. And, you know, you've got the equipment for the most part. And, and there's a certain amount of fun on any, any of these adventures is, of course, they always say, you know, this the journey, not the destination. And even, you know, part of the journey is the preparation for it too. That's absolutely, you know, looking at the maps and, and all the, you know, the gear and just making sure everything's ready, ready to go. And, you know, a- after that, I guess you say, how long will you be doing it after, after that Texas ride, I, my fingertips got numb and just being on my bike, I guess, for hours a day. And that, and that's never gone away. And fingers will get numb, my hand will get numb, and then I'll go do, it'll get better during the year. Then I'll go ride again for a month and it'll get worse. And well, I had, I thought I better have this check. So finally I went the summer after I got back and they said, yeah, you've got carpal tunnel syndrome. So they, I had the surgery in September on both wrists and the ulnar nerve in my left elbow. And, and they're a lot better. I'll probably never, the tingling will probably never go away, but th- this spring on these longer rides, if it, if it gets a lot worse again, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make a decision in whether to do it or not, but that would be the only thing that would probably. Yeah. Keep you from doing it. Yeah. Keep me from doing it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to go, I mean, the surgery wasn't painful, but it's just, you know, it's just not a lot of fun. So it's like I say, it's, you know, it's hard on, hard on your bodies out there doing that. And but as long as I can do it and not do too much damage, I'll, I'll continue to go. Definitely inspiring. Definitely inspiring. So what, what does your family think about you doing this all the time? Do they, do they think you're crazy? Do they understand? Well, I they, mean, yeah, they understand it. And my, my son, he'll, He'll ask from time to time, and then before I'm out there doing it, you know, it's still fun, Dad. You know, I think what he's saying is that, you know, if it's not fun, you know, don't, you know, don't keep doing it. So no, I think as long as it's fun, no, they they get it. They know that it's a it's a passion and something I enjoy doing. And they, I mean, you know how it is watching the dots on on track leaders. People love doing that. Yeah, I'm sure knowing someone, it's even it's even better. Do you ever do they ever come out and see you on the ride? To, to see these places, you know, just, I, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to know what it's like unless you see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember yeah. my dad told me, he's like, I just didn't understand why you like to ride your bike all across the country till I flew out to see you and you rode up to me and he's like, and then I watched you ride away and it's like, yeah. I get it now. Yeah. My daughter's been to Banff twice. Oh, that's not too shabby. That's a, that's a beautiful area. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's honestly uh, probably among the most beautiful scenery on the whole trip. Is right where it begins, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I I had a uh, had a cousin that was. It was funny. She was lives in Denver and uh, was was following and came out to Silverthorne. I got there like at ten o'clock at night, and I I mentioned that my friend Philip Bird. We kind of hop, you know, rode together, hopscotch back and forth, and. He, he pulls into, he gets a civil storm before I do. And my, my cousin Carol's, a, you know, following the divide race and, and, uh, has a sign made, you know, you know, welcome Marty or something like that. And so 
she sees the light coming up and and she's, she thinks it's me and of course it's Philip and she's like you know kind of what's going on where is everybody and he's like oh there is no everybody this is you know <laughs> this, this is, is how it, it is <laughs> this is it yeah it's like you know people you know, like antelope wells well, what's down there it's like well let me show you on google earth there's there's nothing down there I mean, over the course of 2,700 miles, 150 people can get quite a bit of distance between them. Oh. Where you're, you feel, you don't just feel alone. You are very alone. This year, I was in a bubble. I was probably, for a good part of it, I was probably 50 miles behind and ahead of other people. So I was, yeah, you've got to be able to ride by yourself um, and be by yourself for hours on end. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. It, it, you do kind of group together just like any other event, but man, you can, you can go days without seeing people depending on your schedules and, and just how everyone else is riding around you. And, uh, it's, it's very fascinating and people know it, you know, the communities know you're coming through, but it is not, um, it, it, it is not like other races where there's a, you know, a, a big group of people, a Peloton of folks traveling together. But, uh, yeah. sometimes you do get that, you know, especially if you're doing it with someone else and technically I know no one's supposed to come see you on the trail or help you, but man, it's, it's hard. It's hard on those, you know, when, when, when family offers to come see you and you're down, you're feeling pretty low and you know, it's going to lift your spirits. And, and, that, and that's why it's cool when someone comes up on the road and gives you a thumbs up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that they're your, they're your fan. Ab, you know, some thumbs up, some little honk can, can just change your whole day. Yeah. And that is, you don't, you don't think the little, the smallest little pleasure, the smallest little piece of beauty or just lifts you right out of your, right out of your dark little hole and, and get you back on it. I'm now I'm just excited. I want to go do it. I want to go well, do it this year. <laughs> come on. I know. I, I, I won't be able to this year, but uh, definitely, definitely has been on my mind for sure. You know, one thing, you know, we talked about the preparation and, you know, like on all these events, you know, people are, you know, whether it's a marathon or that or a through hike or whatever, people that have done it encourage other people to do it. It's like, you know, if you have, think you want to do it. And, and I'm the same way, you know, same story. If you, you ever think you want to do it for sure, but you know, be prepared. And, you know, and that's certainly a big part of it. And I remember, I think it was even, I think it was in 17. I, you know, you get all your stuff together and um, you, you get your, your baby wipes and everything, you know, for your hygiene. And I was riding along and it's like, you know, I don't feel real comfortable down there. And I was several, and it was a couple of weeks into it or, whatever and look instead of buying baby wipes i'd bought clorox wipes (laughs) so you know it i guess the point is is there's so many details you got to cover on this thing or or you you could be in trouble you could be in serious (laughs) trouble with a little mistake like that yeah absolutely absolutely that is too funny oh man so you know, let me let me let me, let me ask you this: do, do you have a hard time adjusting back to normal life for the rest of the year? You do. do you kind of enjoy those two different worlds. You know it. It that's interesting because I, I enjoy the two worlds, but yeah, it it can be uh, I don't say difficult, but I, you know, there's something too about getting back into the swing of things. I haven't put my finger on it. You know, you come back and. Of course, you kind of eat everything in sight 
Oh, yeah, um, you're you're grateful for running water and a toilet uh, and a cup of coffee whenever you want. <laughs> yeah, but no, it 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 takes some time to get, and I mean even more than just uh, a couple months. It it you know it might take several months. And I probably affects people different ways, but no, it, it takes some time to kind of get back into the swing of things and into some normalcy, I guess. What's the biggest misconception that you hear about doing these long trips, maybe from people back home or just online? Um, oh, it's a misconception, but and it, it's hard to follow a lot of the social media when you're out there and all the a lot of the drama. And then there certainly was a lot this year, but it, you know, it's there's a lot of armchair quarterbacking going on. In what regard? People saying like, oh. Well, just what drama? Like, I, I, I didn't follow too. Oh, there was, yeah, there was some drama with uh, a film crew out there being on on the route. There's just a lot of second guessing. But you know, people will they. It's easy for people to follow. You know, why is? And I think it's more with the leaders. But why is so and so stopped at, at this point? You know, why did they? They're second guessing the riders' decisions that they make on the on the route. And unless they've been out there doing it, it's it's hard to for people to be too objective. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You know, it's just you know, unless you've been out there, you're on your you've been on your bike for 14, 15 hours a day for how many days? And why are why are they stopping here? You know, it's why aren't why aren't they getting up? I've had people that will say, you know, how come you don't start earlier in the morning? It's like, well, man, I you know, it's just I don't set my alarm to get up and and you and you wake up feeling like you got hit in the in across the the back with a, a truck. It's hard to just and you're and it's freezing, and you're wet, and it's 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 hard to get up and just get yeah. moving. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've um, yeah, I've taken a bivy that first year. I've taken um, a tent the other years. I think just a little more shelter. But yeah, it's just you're in that warm environment, and it's just like yeah. I guess that's the thing. People say, how come how come you're and, and I don't sleep until eight, nine o'clock, but you know, when the sun comes up, I'm getting up and getting around, but you know, some, I know the fast people, they're getting up at, you know, four in the morning and going, and it's just, you know, they're younger and, and, uh, have a, have a different goal than, than what I do. So. Interesting. Yeah. And you know, the, I do, I haven't even talked about this yet, but, uh, one reason you might not be moving is because, heck, I remember one time we were stopped for like 15 minutes because there was about 300 cows in the way, and yeah. they all looked like they weren't happy with us, and there's no fences, and there's just you're just in this open plain with hundreds of cows that can chase you oh, down, yeah. and I'm just like, you know, what do we do here? Because they're just, the whole cluster's right over the trail, and we can't really go around them or go through them. So you just kind of have to wait. You know what I mean? Do, yeah. do you, have you had experiences with animals? Because I felt like when we did it, my buddy and I did it together. Uh, uh, I just felt like every other day we were narrowly escaping some sort of animal encounter. And so doing it five times now, I'm sure you've had your fair share of encounters. Yeah, you know, I, probably the the main one I remember is uh, in New Mexico. You know, there's black Angus from border to border, and you know, free range. But there was it wasn't it wasn't that many, but there was, I don't know, a couple dozen. And as you rolled up, most of the time they they move out of the way. 
but this one, the bull, he was standing his ground. He was standing in the middle of the road. And it's like, okay, dude, I'll, I'll walk around, I'll go around you. And, and like I say, there's no fence between he and I. And it's just like, you know, I'm not a, you know, I take bear spray. I'm not really afraid of the bears or any other animals, but yeah, those get trampled by cattle wouldn't be fun. I think it's probably more dangerous than the wildlife that's out there. Absolutely. I mean, I think cattle kill more people than any animal in the world and people just underestimate how dangerous. Yeah. I mean, it's bigger than a bear as far as size and weight. And there's a lot more of them. Yeah. We had a, we had a guy probably around that area is somewhere in Montana and we had caught up to him. He had fallen off his bike and broken a couple ribs, but he, you know, he could still ride, but, uh, he was an older gentleman and he said that it, this bull started chasing him and he was, you know, trying to make his way through this crowd of, of cows and, he picked up a rock and said he threw it at the bull as hard as he could. But when he did, it kind of engaged his, his core and, and just <laughs> pain shot through his abs. And so he said, I threw, I was about halfway through my throw. And then I just kind of let go of the rock and screamed in pain. And he goes and the rock flew straight towards the bull and hit him as the bull was running towards him. He said it hit his toe. The, 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 the rock just, right as the bull's hoof was on the ground, it just hit it. And he said it, that bull lifted that foot up like it, like he had just stubbed his toe and just <laughs> hobbled off the other direction limping. And, and he says, I, I think probably would have killed me. And I just, yeah, like, man. holy man, cow, man, are shot. you narrowly? Yeah. I mean, that was the David and Goliath situation. You narrowly escaped. That's and funny. I just think like, it's, this is a dangerous, this is a dangerous adventure, man. So, so you, it's really just the cows for you too. Nothing, not, nothing really extreme. No, no, no bear encounters, nothing with bison or anything I, like that. I was, um, it was in Idaho and you go, you're off that rail trail and there's oh, the, uh, yeah. And which is, and I, with the lava rock, the, the lava rock and, I'd gotten to the Wise River campground like at midnight. I looked in one of those one of those campsite bathrooms, you know, latrines to sleep in. It's like, nah, I'm not gonna sleep in there. So I put my my bivy out. That was the year I took my bivy. I, I bid put my bivy out. And I get in the bed, and right, and it's light there. There's a an area light. So I'm laying down. Have my bear spray out. And we had been told that that's kind of like grizzly alley because it's close to Yellowstone and. Mm. And so I, I'm laying down there and asleep and I feel something like walking across my, my legs. It's like, Oh man. So I grab my bear spray and I sit up and I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking the worst that there's this bear that's out there. I hadn't heard anything, but there's a skunk walking over my feet, over my, <laughs> over my legs. It's like, Oh man. So I sit up and he luckily he didn't spray me, but I give him a shot of uh, bear spray as he's running away. Oh gosh, a little taste of his own medicine. Huh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is too funny, man. I, you know, I've seen a couple of grizzlies, but not nothing up close. And one time was by a paved road, and there were probably half a dozen cars just stopped there watching this grizzly just foraging around looking for food. So now they don't they don't really care about humans. And now, you know, is there any sort of gear that, or, or any sort of creature comfort that you take with you on these long adventures on the Tour Divide? Anything that you just got to have? Probably no creature comforts, but 
with my gear, I've, you know, I use a dynamo hub and it. Mm. And, and for folks that don't know that, that can charge things and power things. Correct. Yeah. It's, um, the front hub, as it turns, it makes electricity and it, it'll, you can, there's a little charging device. You can plug your US, it's got a USB port on it. So you can charge your a spare battery, your phone, your, your GPS, your computer or, or whatever. Headlight or headlamp or whatever. Yeah. And, and this year I used, it was a sun hub. It was a German hub. It was a, a good hub. Well, there's two little wires inside that hub that, that had broken. It, that, it, sometimes they can twist in the, in the fork and it had done that and it broken the wire. So I was without the ability for my front hub to produce electricity. So it turned fine. Oh gosh. So I, so I, so I had to buy a, a battery operated light and, and long story short, I called uh, the manufacturer and had them make another one for me on, on the route. And, you know, it wasn't cheap, but it's just, you know, I guess it was a kind of a, it was reassuring. I would n- never run out of power. Yeah. Um, I always have light. That was kind of how my model, that was my, you know, my plan. It had it shipped to in a steamboat and then sent my bad one back and had it, had it rebuilt. But, you know, I, you know, probably that I try to take, you know, I, I'm taking a, you know, one person tent now and, but no, I, I don't take a lot of extra gear, just one pair of shorts and one Jersey and a long sleeve t-shirt and a poofy coat and, rain gear and you know bladder enough for for water and i still take a a filter you know er, the first year i i probably carried too much water or mm-hmm. more water than i needed just because i i didn't want to run out of water and you, you know where the water stops are now and up north there's even when i would collect water i'll i'll still filter it but there's water up first half of it you can get water pretty frequently like i say just down in new mexico is where it's not as available yes yeah absolutely and you know you that's that is one beauty of doing the, the route over and over is you can kind of know where you can trim the fat in your kit and also just you know save 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 weight which can you know go a little faster go a little lighter which can make right. the experience whole experience more enjoyable so right um absolutely i i definitely if i ever did it again there's a lot I know now that I, yeah. I did not then, that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, so let me ask you this, you know, if, if, if there's somebody out there who might be, you know, maybe maybe they got an opportunity or at least a window of opportunity where something like this might be possible, you know, you may, you, but you may, may, may take a little rearranging, moving around. What, what do you say to the people who have an idea to do something like this, but maybe no experience and, but the desire to, you know? like yourself. Yeah. Just like we we're saying, I was, you know, for sure, whatever that is, I would, you know, encourage them to do it and just, you know, start out slow, small, um, with shorter o- overnight rides and you know, load your stuff on your bike and you're going to take too much and with you and, but you'll end up figuring out what you, what's necessary and, and do it and then go do a week long ride and do it self-supported. And there's, rides out there around wherever someone would live that pick a route that where you've got to manage your water and food, but yet if you get in trouble, you can always make a phone call and get home. There's, you know, there's routes or now there's gravel rides about anywhere, but you know, just, just start small and, and don't let the failures or the non-successful rides discourage you. I know my first dirty Kansas, which is a 200 ride mile ride in Kansas, 
and they've got stops every 50 miles. Well, my first year I did that, I stopped at mile 45. I was five miles from the rest stop and, and got a ride in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I just, you know, don't, don't think those things are failures. Just, just view them as stepping stones up to, you know, whether it's the doing the divide or whether it's a half marathon or whatever, just, you know, work towards it. And, and the sense of accomplishments just, it's going to make it worth it. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know, that's a good point because a, a lot of people, I feel like try something new, just, just one time goes horribly, horribly, and they never try again. And yeah. the people that can at least try one more time, I don't know what the stats are. I don't know even how, if that can even, but I guarantee they have a, a, a 75% chance of it com- being a completely different story and enjoying it immensely. I mean, I, that, the first time I mountain bike, I hated it because I just, I, I fell 50 times and I was like, what the heck do people do this for? This is miserable. But yeah. it was just a really technical route and I was totally unexperienced. My balance was horrible and did it one more time and it was a totally different story and i just can't tell you how many times how many things in life are like that you try it the very first time and you are awful at it and then just doing it just try it again maybe two or three times and then all of a sudden you realize oh man okay okay and i start seeing start seeing some progress and the next thing you know you're you're biking from canada to mexico yeah six times (laughs) and you know and and that's the thing about you know, you can take so many lessons from the divide or whatever it is that in that you're using your everyday life. Just like in our our business mm-hmm. in the garden center business, it you know we rely on you know twelve ten weekends in the spring for good weather. Well, there's a lot of years we don't get those good weekends, and it's you know it's we're getting a, it's nice during the week, but the weekend it rains, and our you know our sales are way down. But you know you just can't give up just like on the divide is, you know, it's wet and rainy or whatever. You just, you know, keep going and finding a way to persevere. And you can just use those analogies in, in all aspects of your life. You you know, this as well as anybody that's ever been on this show, you cannot predict the, the good experience and the bad experiences where they fall on it. Cause so many times they are just butted up right against each other. You know, it's like the worst day, the worst morning, and the one, most wonderful evening are the same day. Like it happens so many times and, and you just, at some point, the odds are going to turn in your favor if you just keep going. That's why I say, you know, there's, there's always a, a payoff for this struggle, this hard time, this, absolutely, you know, this sum or going up to this summit or, or whatever it is. It's just, you know, once you get up there and, and sometimes you get up there where you think is the, and it is a summit, and you think, well, that's going to be easy going down. We get to the other side, it, it, it's going to be a rocky road. You know, you leave yeah. Rush Mountain Lodge and go up over that ridge. It's like six miles of 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 rough terrain going down. So, it, you know, it's just, it'll it'll come, but just, you know, sometimes it's at the least expectant time. Absolutely. So how can uh, how can people find out more about you, Marty? I know you, uh, I know you like to, to write about your experiences. Yeah, I've, I've got a a blog and and i my daughter i mentioned her the other day i said well we need to, need to get this one uh posted but it's bucket ride dot bike bucket ride dot bike 
yeah, bucket ride, like a bucket list, but bucket ride, and it is dot dot bike. And it I've got recaps of of the different years on there, and that's or on Instagram. I post a lot of pictures on Instagram, and it's name or handle is got chili c h i l e on instagram i post a lot of pictures and the flint hills and, and rides yeah i see the my, my the blog the bucket ride has a lot of the information about about the rides perfect well marty man i, I really appreciate you being on and just telling us a little bit about your experience of of, of doing something really really fun really unique really you know out of the box for a lot of people and so uh, you know, I hope it inspires somebody to get out there and, and do something exciting for for their life. Yeah, it uh, and like I say, you know, me first one was at age sixty, and you know, as long as you're, you know, don't don't wait too long. But as long as your health and it may not happen when you're young, and if but if you're older and still able, you're able to do something. Get out there and do it. Awesome, Marty. Thanks so much, man, and I, I really appreciate you being on, and, and good luck this year. Going out there, I will be following your blue dot. <laughs> All right, Mason. Well, thank you. And I uh, love the podcast. I just started listening to it and some very interesting individuals on there um, with a lot of great stories. Thank you. Yeah, we've, we've had some uh, over the 600 episodes. There have been quite the vast majority are, are absolutely incredible. It has been a lot of fun over the last few years for sure. Yeah, I enjoy it. Well, good. Well, Marty, have a great night, man. And uh, yeah, stay warm and Looking forward to, to June. Can't wait to follow All right. you. Yeah. All right, Jason. Thank you. All right. Yes, sir. All right. Bye. Bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.